0: back nature nerds it is our 51st episode we forgot to properly congratulate ourselves for technically 50 episodes even though it's been more yeah it's just so many (laughs) too many to count we missed last week we had a little
1: corona scare I guess. I guess. We were just being... Cautious. cautious. Yeah, exactly. We really did appreciate everybody being so supportive. We did get somebody that posted some sheep as though we were some sort of herd mentality sheep. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know,
0: we follow science. We're sheep for science. (laughs) (laughs) We believe in science. Well, I think the numbers in Guam are just uh, kind of insane right now. They are. My kids are going back online. The first time I had to get a COVID test was... The week before last, and the guy was like, "Oh, it's not as bad as it used to be. Like we don't go so far up your nose." And then they did it, and I like involuntarily cried, and my eyes like fluttered back. It was real embarrassing. You just think about something really funny, and you involuntarily cry. I mean, that's true. I mean, it doesn't take much. Yeah, I missed you. I missed you too. Even though I spoke to you pretty much every day, we always talk I every seen day. In your face, yeah, for like two weeks,
1: and you haven't been over for chicken time. So I should announce that I did ask our patrons for some name ideas. And we got mm-hmm. some of the most glorious names I've ever heard that I could never come up with on my own. But my daughters were like, no, I want to name them. But I took one, which it was actually your brother oh. recommended hey, he's Yolanda. Good with names. So random. So good. I love it. So we have Yolanda. We have um, my daughter named one Matilda because she likes the movie. And then my six year old named hers James. <laughs> My grandma's name is James. Right, right, right. But it's weird because I swear I only told her about it briefly once ever. But well, she, she just, locked it in. She locked it in and she was like, we're naming this one James. And It took me a minute because I was like, huh? You know, she was like number 12 or 13 mm-hmm. of kids and they were all girls. I think there was one boy early on and by then the dad was like, I never got to name a kid
0: after me. Therefore, you shall be James.
1: We'll have a couple of patrons we're going to shout out at the end.
0: All right. I know it's like past the holidays. But I wanted to, before I do science news, talk about three folks who sent us um, holiday greetings. And we did not say thank you to you guys yet, which we've totally been meaning to. But Victoria sent us a nice little care package. It was so sweet. And, and a Christmas card and some cookies. She sent us homemade
1: cookies. They were so good. And they were still great. We yeah. I, I put them on this platter for one of the Christmas get-togethers and yeah. took pictures. I posted it as a story because they were just... Amazing. So
0: amazing. We also got two little beanie babies, kind of. They look, I don't think they're actual beanie babies, but they're they're like little plushies of a cat and a turtle. Yes. Like, yeah. From Lindsay Harding. She sent us a nice little card and with pictures of her and her horses and her family and her dog. So adorable. I love that. That was really, really thoughtful. Thank you. Uh, Chandra Collins sent us a Christmas card, a, her family Christmas card, and her doggies are on the back and her family's on the front. On all the adventures they do outside. So cool. So, we just want to say thank you so much for sending us those holiday greetings. That was, it really warmed our hearts. I know. All the way to Guam.
1: It was really sweet. And we Thanks. did
0: actually get them before Christmas, I think.
1: Yeah. I also have a um, little shout out I wanted to oh. give. This is a, a more recent one. I wanted to say that you guys need to go check out, if you haven't already, probably a lot of you already follow Zoo Draws. Animal Facts is on Instagram. I mean, he's got a ton of followers. So, Probably you guys already saw it, but he makes amazing comics. He basically talks about, like, real facts about different animals and makes it Funny.
0: funny. So good. And he focuses a lot on conservation, too. Yes. Yeah, which is really cool. Honestly, we were like kind of starstruck that he tagged us in the panda post. Yes. <laughs> which I was totally gonna do a correction on that, like, I think the way I said it in the episode, I was like, oh, pandas have six fingers and a thumb thing. But it, it, yeah, it's five digits. And then this like little thumb piece. But still, so it's six fingers. But it total. counts. It looks like six fingers. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I was just... he did
1: the Princess Bride reference. So good. He does the whole, hello, my name is
0: Inigo Montoya. You, you killed, killed my, my father. father. Prepare to die. <laughs> so good. And
1: the panda's just like eating the bamboo. Like, I don't like, know what's what? happening right now. Bro. <laughs> I don't even understand. Yeah, super cool. We actually just started um, following him, uh, his patron. Yeah. If you go and you become a patron, he'll make you your own comic. It's going to be amazing. based on your favorite, either your pet or your favorite animal.
0: Yeah. And we story his stuff a lot. If yeah. you have, I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. Very so, nice drawings. Anyway,
1: big shout out. So let's get going to some science news.
0: All right. Science news time. Let me just focus my glasses. I'm going to talk today. I found the science news on ScienceDaily.com and it is entitled Epstein-Barr virus may be leading cause of multiple sclerosis. So super randomly, they're all different kind of levels of MS. And my mom recently got diagnosed with like, like the least worrisome kind.
1: That's good. That, like,
0: kind of reoccurs over your life. I mean, but it's, it's not good, but it's right. you're going to get it. Yeah. It's mostly dormant, and she's older, so it's, it's strange that she was finally getting diagnosed. I saw this, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. The Epstein-Barr virus is this, it's like a herpes virus that pretty much, I think it's like 95- percent of people get at some point in their life like mostly as children
1: so is that the one that would give you like a cold sore like that it's probably
0: something like that so it's it's also known as the human herpes virus 4 so Uh it's a member of the herpes virus family and it's super common it's all over the world it spreads mostly through body fluids mostly saliva so yeah so just like sharing a cup with somebody it's like that easy and it can actually also cause mono oh
1: yeah yeah mono was like the best diet i ever had (laughs) My sister got it, and I was that's like, Because awesome. I'm <laughs> um, a lot younger than her, so I'm like, here mm-hmm. comes the boy. <laughs> she was just like, I'm dying right now, and I'm like, you're fine. It's really bad, though,
0: Mono. Can it is really bad.
1: <laughs> it could go on forever. Well, yeah, we lost a Peace Corps volunteer.
0: That oh, that's he got right. It. He got it. Mm-hmm. He didn't die. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> he oh, <said> gosh. No. <laughs> We didn't, like, lose him, lose him. Right. Oh, my gosh. No. Yeah, sorry. he just, he had to leave because it was still going on. Right. Yeah. If you're sick for too long, then they, they medevac you. You can't stay anymore. Um. So, symptoms of EBV infection include fatigue, fever, inflamed throat, swollen lymph nodes in the neck, ugh, enlarged spleen, swollen liver, and a rash. So, Oh, like...
1: Yeah and a rash, and a rash. <laughs> it's just like you get a rash. rash it's just like the icing
0: uh, so anyway it, it, a lot of people get it it's difficult to diagnose because the symptoms are super similar to other things I, they do like a blood test and they detect the antibodies and that's how you know that you have this infection anyway so in the article from Science Daily they talk about this study that was published online on January 13th 2022 in uh, the journal Science what they were looking at is they were thinking that the EBV causes MS like it's an it's how you get ms people who get it but ms uh-huh. is like a disease that not a lot of people get so you have this ebv virus that affects like 95 percent of people and they're like how is it that this small group of people are getting is how is it linked to that so that's what they were studying the way that they determined the connection between ebv and ms is they conducted a study among more than 10 million young adults on active duty in the u.s military oh and i was like you know what That's actually I mean, not saying that we should study or like, experiment on troops. But what I'm saying is that there's Yeah, there's like this captive population that you could, you could study like research certain things like not, you know, don't don't inject them with anything or like do anything to them. But Uh, just like, you could look at a lot of different kind of diseases uh, over these like, yeah, it's like a huge population of people. And I was like, that's really smart. Wait for the military. For the military, yeah. But Using it, the military as a study group.
1: I guess more recently, yeah. If it were more diverse. I would think, like, if you look too far back, it's, like, predominantly, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, male. Yeah.
0: yeah, but now it's more, yeah, okay. for sure, more diverse. But they identified 955 people in that 10 million who were diagnosed with MS while they were in service. They looked at the samples taken from those soldiers. They were able to find... These biomarkers that linked EBV to MS, like how they got MS. And they say that their findings can't be explained by any known risk factor for MS. So the suggestion is that EBV EBV was a leading cause for them to get MS. Like there's nothing else that caused them to get MS. So it's just random. Well, I guess they had something in them, whatever that biomarker is. That's the connection people can easily be tested for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the cool part. (laughs) Oh, this is (laughs) where we're going. This is where we're going. My bad. Yeah. Is that... Right now, there's no way to effectively prevent or treat EBV because it's a virus, but they're trying to work on a vaccine or at least targeting the virus with some kind of antiviral drugs and that could actually ultimately cure MS.
1: That's amazing. I know. Oh, that's so cool.
0: I thought that was super neat. And I it made me think of how now, you know, like my son, when he turned 12, he went and got the the vaccine for HPV, like how that has led to, you know, like, oh, we're going to prevent cervical cancer, because we know this virus is connected to causing cervical cancer. Right. So it's just like, interesting to me how these viruses are connected to these much larger diseases Mm -hmm. or like destructive diseases, because HPV is kind of innocuous by itself. But once kind of combined with certain factors, then it can cause cancer, just like, this EBV can cause MS in certain people. I thought that was interesting that they're going to maybe have uh, a cure for MS. I don't know if it's going to be like a preventative thing, like how you have to get the vaccine for HPV first. Uh, And then you're going to be covered or if it's going to, if there's going to be some way for them to use this antiviral uh, drug to help people who currently have MS. Yeah. Well,
1: I guess we'll follow that and see what happens. Two announcements. So Peace Corps Week is February 27th through March 5th. I'm going to make a post that's going to be asking for Peace Corps stories. So if you were a Peace Corps volunteer, are a Peace Corps volunteer, and somehow magically able to hear a podcast because you have electricity and we'll... Internet, <laughs> yeah, which I envy. Or if you have a friend that was a Peace Corps, you can pass it on. But we'd love some stories because we'll do another. However many stories we get, we'll do some a episode yeah. or multiple.
0: And we had such great stories
1: last time. Peace Corps love to tell their crazy stories.
0: I wonder if Tom Juring started writing a book because oh, yeah. he had mentioned that he sent so many stories that were amazing. So anyway,
1: I'll put that out. Um, another announcement, Megan. This mm-hmm. is kind of exciting. We've had a, quite a few requests for a, a new T-shirt. Oh yeah, that says biophiliac so hey send me some designs that you think should go on the biophiliac shirt all right so today's episode was i was going to do something else but Mm -hmm. i changed it so i thought i'd talk about volcanoes today it's kind of a sad episode. Uh, hopefully it'll be interesting and yeah. you'll learn something new. But I wanted to first do an update my last episode, which was, I guess, episode before last. The boys that were castaways, they got stuck on Atta Island. And at the time, I mentioned there's an active volcano. I just thought it was interesting. I'm like, oh, by the mm-hmm. way, remember, there's this active volcano on the island of Hunga Tonga, Hunga Ha'pai Haapai. And I had said that it had been erupting all week over Christmas, and it has a history of erupting. It, it erupted in 2014-15-ish, so probably December through January around that time, and also in 2009. In 2015, Tongan government officials said that the eruptions there had formed a new island, more than a kilometer long, joined to another existing island, and then it was a home for wildlife. Atta Island that we mostly talked about the, in that episode is about 99 miles south-southwest of Tonga Tapu which is where 70% of the people from Tonga live. And the total current population of Tonga, they say now, is 107,553. I don't know if that includes all the people that live outside of Tonga. I'm sure there's a lot more because I know there's a lot of other people living in other parts of the world. Um, And we especially saw this this past week. with people trying to get a hold of people on Tongatapu mostly. So Tongatapu is a lot closer to the volcano, the island that erupted. We all saw it. If you haven't seen it, are probably not on any kind of social media or <laughs> listening to anything. So you're probably not listening to us right now. Right. But the volcano erupted in a very huge way on January 15th. It sporadically erupted a few times since 2009. And this activity began in December. So they were aware. It's been erupting, but they right. probably didn't realize the Expect extent.
0: that. Yeah. I mean, that was intense, the satellite footage. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Wild. There was actually a pretty big blast That shook that island on January 13th. But then we all saw what happened on the 15th. That generated um, atmospheric shock, waves, sonic booms, and, of course, tsunami waves that traveled around the world, which was really hard for people to figure out. Like, how did this—I mean, it was big, but it's, like, way far away in this little tiny island. Like, how did these— waves like how did it send that tsunami all around and they think what happened is a lot of times the volcanoes you know when they really blow like that then they collapse and that's how it forms those calderas or some becomes like a crater it was incredibly explosive but it was also pretty brief which was good that the plume rose 19 miles or 30 kilometers into the air but the eruption lasted only about 10 minutes and there's other big eruptions that can go on for hours like they just keep going so luckily it was powerful but short. The power of this eruption it ranks among the world's biggest over the past 30 years and the height of the ash plume, steam and gas was comparable to this big huge eruption in 1991 that was at Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines and that killed several hundred people we know unfortunately this current status is that at least three people have died after the tsunami crashed Mm -hmm. on the shoreline Lines. the fatalities were a 50 year old british woman named angela glover she was swept away by the waves she was with her husband she started a animal shelter, and she's been rescuing dogs, and the dogs were getting swept away, and she was trying to rescue them. Oh. Insanely sad. She was awesome and doing something that most people would never do, and her husband clung to a tree and was able to survive. There was also a 65-year-old woman from, the, from Mango Island, which got hit pretty bad with the tsunami and the ash, and there was another uh, 49-year-old man from Nomuka Island, that wasn't a statement from this past Tuesday. So probably by the time you hear this, there may be more updates. Hopefully no more um, fatalities because it was fairly quick and the waves, I think, came up around three feet that, you know, everybody was still okay. From the prime minister's office, they said all the houses on Mango Island were destroyed and that only two houses remained on Fono Ifua Island and there was extensive damage on Nomuka Island and those might be a little bit closer to the actual volcano. And I don't know how many houses were there to begin with, but I'm sure they're not. Those are the small, some of the smaller islands.
0: Which island was it that you see the footage of the wave going through the middle?
1: Most of that footage was taken from the main island at Tongatapu, which is where most people live.
0: Because you can kind of see there's like an industrial area or something. They did like satellite imagery or whatever, of like before and after.
1: Yeah, they're trying to get water and relief and whatever they can coming from New Zealand and Australia. The problem is, is they couldn't fly in because of the... The ash. So they had to go by ship. I saw an article last night that there should be relief arriving now, at least from New Zealand. And then um, there's more coming. Water's an issue. It's probably not safe to drink the water. I'm going to post a- one photo I saw that was just shows how bad the ash is on this car. They say dogs are running around covered in ash. like Everything's just covered. They've been evacuating people from some of the smaller islands. What they can see right now is that even though this isn't great, by any stretch. Tonga was mainly spared from something much worse. It's kind of a mystery why the tsunami wasn't bigger or more destructive in Tonga. Because it, like I said, it only went up about three feet. And it's not great. It definitely took out homes and things, but could have been worse. Based on the images, they just thought it would be much worse. And they also said that the Tongans at least got some warning uh, from the increased activity in the volcano like the couple days before. So they kind of knew they were starting to prepare that this thing might go and this is what's going to happen. And I don't think that many people were near the shore. They knew they needed to move away. And there's some footage of some people who didn't that were like, yeah, we're going to watch this. And they just got like, like <laughs> rolled up. And luckily it seems like they were okay, but it's right. like, geez, guys, come on. They said that the ash that is coated Tonga, is it's acidic, but it's not poisonous. And this is coming from an article on PBS um, that it was like two days ago. They've been advising Pacific responders that people people may still be able to drink the water from their rainwater supplies, even if some ash has fallen in. It'll make the water more acidic and salty, but not poisonous. I, I would still wouldn't drink it, no, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I, maybe they're talking about new fresh rainwater rather than like rainwater that had been sitting and had a lot of ash in it already. Huge volcanic eruptions can sometimes cause these temporary global cooling events. It's like the sulfur dioxide that's pumped into the stratosphere causes a cooling event but in the case of this eruption the initial satellite measurements they they indicate that the amount of sulfur dioxide released would have only had a tiny effect 0.01 degrees celsius or 0.02 fahrenheit of global average cooling whatever that means it went high up into it but it wasn't enough to really cause that big of a difference and they said as far as like what's going to happen next there's two for the volcano, there's two scenarios. The best scenario would be that right now it's going to go quiet for a while because it's exhausted all of its magma. Right. <laughs> it's like, that not, there's nothing built up. There's no pressure. Right. So they said it'll go quiet for the next 10 to 20 years, and as the magma slowly returns, mm-hmm. the second not so great scenario is that there's this new magma rises up quickly to replace what was exploded, and then there would be just ongoing eruptions. But they believe that the cracks and rifts caused by Saturday's big explosion will allow more gas to escape. Future eruptions won't be as big. So that's what they're hoping for. That's all the update. I could find.
0: I know people wrote to us and they were like, oh, are you okay? Like family members and then also some folks Mm -hmm. um, who listen were like, are you guys okay? Like what's going on? And, you know, we're pretty far west, northwest of Tonga. But also I I was reading some articles because I, you know, when we first came to this region for Peace Corps, someone had told me, oh, you don't have to worry about tsunamis so much in this area because of the Marianas Trench. Yeah, it it breaks it. That it breaks it. It like eats up the power. Well, the trenches learn. of wild. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, so I was reading some articles about that, and it was like, yeah, there are some scientists who believe that, and then other scientists who are like, eh.
1: No, well, Not so much, but
0: I feel like that's a thing.
1: It's a thing. It I mean, def- if it
0: came from the other direction, maybe. Right. From like the southwest or like...
1: So there have been tsunamis that have washed over. So my husband, of course, he grew up on this small, low-lying atoll um, islands. And he's experienced it. Mm-hmm. Of course, him and his brother just went out and surfed on them because <laughs> they're just like crazy. Islanders islanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and he said there was one lady that died, but mm. because she was super old and she was just scared. Right, because she lived high enough that water would never have come up. But it was like similar maybe to this one. But the island that he's from and actually where I was a Peace Corps volunteer is so skinny and long that you can see the water on both sides. So it's not a stretch to think that the water (laughs) would go across. But... He said he's seen it. It's happened. It's washed over bigger islands, but it's mm-hmm. not that common.
0: Whenever there was an earthquake, which was, I mean, it's very frequent out mm-hmm. here, earthquakes. Yeah. I mean, we're in the We just had of fire, one so. yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And, and they're then, like,
1: nope, no tsunami. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, three days before that, there was like an earthquake. And you could feel it. They do. I didn't feel it. Well, I was sitting on the bed and it was like a little jiggle and then like a big jiggle. And I was like, oh, we just had an earthquake. And
1: you can hear it coming. It's like, like yeah. you can hear like a rumbling. But there's so many like lowrider dickhead cars that <laughs> (laughs) cruise around our neighborhood sometimes that i never know if it's just them
0: is is it an earthquake or is it a low rider i don't know just with the music and all that all the things yeah people would write to us in peace corps like oh my god are you okay i mean and you're like oh no we're fine so
1: we don't really have tsunamis we should do an episode on the trench we should that would be pretty cool okay so i'm going to talk about volcanoes let's go to national geographic
0: kids fun facts for kids yes because it's so great. <laughs> the most layman's terms ever. <laughs> this
1: is Megan. Yes. And listeners and all of our nature nerds. A volcano is a mountain that opens downward to a pool of molten rock below the surface of the earth. You get I can it? can see it in my brain. So when the pressure builds up, an eruption happens. It's like a zit. And the word volcano, fun fact comes from the roman name vulcan because vulcan was the roman god of fire is that that
0: related to star trek (laughs) i don't know but she's giving me the vulcan
1: hand signal live long and prosper yes here is the craziest thing this is gonna blow your mind i'm ready no pun intended oh god but it was so intended (laughs) okay approximately 350 million people live within the
0: danger range of an active volcano don't do that 350 million people. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I bet it's beautiful, though, to live at the base of a mountain.
1: So anyway, that means around 1 in 20 people live in an area at risk of volcanic
0: activity. You know, if you think about it, the Earth is like a weird place to live. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of areas that are super dangerous. Like people live move. in the swamps. Like this you live Earth in coastal is too weird. <laughs> right? They live in coastal areas. That's like it's difficult to live there. You can't live at the base of a volcano that's like that's one in twenty people. Yeah. That's crazy. Anything could happen. All of a sudden I feel so insecure about <laughs> living on Earth.
1: I know. It yeah, there's so so many things. So volcanoes can be classified as either dormant or extinct. Basically, how much volcanic activity it has. Active means that there's regular activity. That makes sense. Dormant means there's been recent activity, but it's currently quiet. And extinct means it's been so long since the last eruption that it'll probably never erupt again. Magma and lava are two different things. Magma is the hot liquid rock inside the volcano, but when it leaves the volcano, it's lava.
0: I do know that. That's the one thing I remember (laughs) from (laughs) my geology class.
1: And as we have learned from the eruption in Tonga that they're not always on land. They can actually be in the ocean or deeper on the ocean floor and even under ice caps.
0: I never thought about that.
1: Lava from a volcano can reach over 1200 degrees Celsius which is the math on that for Fahrenheit. It's real hot. That's the math on that. That's the math on that is that you just dissolve. What did we talk about? Mud volcanoes?
0: We talked about mud baths near volcanic areas, right? Yeah,
1: so like what's the temperature that will melt your face? Yes, that is way way less than way less than that yeah it'll burn everything in its path we've seen the pictures from hawaii and everywhere we know that here you go megan the world's largest active volcano is in mauna loa in hawaii hawaii so it is 4169 meters tall and it last erupted in 1984 and also volcanoes are all throughout the solar system other planets and moons have volcanoes the largest volcano in our solar system is Olympus mons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Olympus Mons. it's found on mars in ad 79 you know where i'm going with this
0: oh is this a pompeii
1: yes it was destroyed and buried by the volcano mount vesuvius
0: yes when i was taking latin they had stories in latin and you had to translate it about mount vesuvius
1: it's a very crazy historical site but there were some i was reading another whole article about it but i didn't really go into it in this but People survived.
0: Oh, some people got out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They got but, on their boats. But the ones that were covered in ash just died. Yeah. It was like instant death. Yeah. It's very scary. There's a really bad movie I think it's called Pompeii. And it's, uh, Is
1: it pretty bad? Is it recent?
0: It's like, oh, you know what? Because my husband was
1: like, did you see the movie Pompeii? And I was like, no. It's like, such
0: oh. a weird term because like, it seems recent to me, but it could be from 2000. That's recent. Is it recent? I, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying like, is it? It's within the last 20 years. I can TMC. tell you that. <laughs> 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 is it black and white? No, it's, it has, um, I mean, there's definitely like CGI in it. So it's recent enough for CGI.
1: It's no Clash of the Titans. Okay. There are, 1900 volcanoes on earth that are considered active likely to explode and the most active volcanoes are found in the ring of fire the 40,000 kilometer horseshoe shaped area in the pacific ocean
0: that's where we choose to live not on guam right yeah guam is not a volcano it's a plate uplift yeah yes
1: no guam is just like a piece of floating karst it just floats because remember if we have too many people oh that's
0: right it flips over it's gonna flip oh my god are we being sarcastic right now yes For a while, <laughs> don't worry. You're right. It's- Continental uplift. <laughs> <laughs> just, just gonna c- confirm for everybody. It's not. We're it's, good. We're not floating. We're connected
1: to something very, very big. We will not flip. <laughs>
0: we just all slide off into the Mariana Trench. That's <laughs>
1: it. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> There's too much stuff on that end of the island. The loudest sound ever recorded in history was made by by a volcano, and it was called Krakatoa in Southeast Asia. When Krakatoa re- re- erupted in 1883, it released. 200 megatrons of energy equivalent to 15,000 nuclear bombs. That sounds like a made up megatrons.
0: Megatrons.
1: (laughs) I mean. That's why it's cool to be a geologist or a volcanist.
0: How did they measure that? Wait, 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 wait. wait. What year was that? Like 18 something? Like how did they measure that? That's, Don't question Megatrons. You know
1: what? <laughs>
0: Never. Just someone there was like, man, that was really loud. It was definitely a Megatron.
1: How many Megatrons was that? Mm. Let me get out my Megatron reader. I know. But they have them because they're volcanists.
0: Volcanists?
1: Volcanists? <laughs> Volcanoes can produce rich, fertile land over time, like after it cools down. Just so you know, there's a bird that loves to be around volcanoes. It's only in a certain part of the world. It's the maleo birds, they're megapodes and they actually bury their eggs near volcanoes to keep them warm. These guys use actual heat from these volcanoes to bury their eggs. And then they peace out.
0: (laughs) Okay. Same with
1: all megapodes. They just bury them and leave. Good luck. Because as soon as they hatch, they are already like flying, running. They can do all the things. In an eruption, gases and rocks shoot up through the opening. They spill out over and fill the air with lava fragments. This not only can cause a tsunami effect, but also ash flows, mudslides, avalanches. I'll talk about one later. There was one of the worst, volcanoes was really just from there was so much spillage and ash and everything it killed all the crops the death toll was from starvation
0: yeah i feel like the aftermath of disasters that's why we have a preparedness kit
1: that's right so the danger area usually covers like a 20 mile radius i think Tongatapu is about 31 miles Mm -hmm. south so it's like just outside of it but of course they're gonna feel the effects of it and we did see the volcanic lightning Remember watching the videos? You could see the lightning. It occurs mostly within the cloud of ash during the eruption. Did you see it? No. Oh my God, there was. So if you watch the video of it, just all the ash, there's lightning. It's like a storm in there. And it's created by the friction of the ash that's rushing to the surface. Sorry.
0: I watched the satellite footage of the eruption, but I didn't watch the clouds.
1: Too. So there, it seems like there were some people that were out on a boat filming. You can see the first one where it goes up, like shoots up, just huge, right? They're far enough away. Yeah. And then there's some lightning in that. And then there's another explosion that's just like even crazier. More than 80% of the Earth's surface is volcanic in origin.
0: That's how you make new land, man.
1: Active volcanoes in the U.S. are mainly found in Hawaii, Alaska, California, Oregon, and Washington. But the greatest chance of eruptions where a lot of people live is in Hawaii and Alaska. I'm going to talk about the five worst eruptions ever recorded. And the one is the one I just mentioned. It was in Tambora, Indonesia in 1815. It was the largest recorded volcanic eruption in history. It caused starvation and disease because everything was wiped out and it killed approximately 80,000 people. Jeez. Because the crops couldn't grow. They called it a year without summer because there was so much ash and sulfur and other gas like in the air that they couldn't even see the sunlight. Um, And that happened for months. It caused a summertime snow in some places as far as Indonesia and North America and Europe. That thing is still erupting now. There was some activity detected in 2011, 12,
0: and 13. Will it have an explosion like that again
1: i don't know it doesn't say but a lot of these big volcanoes they study them over time and they can kind of predict like okay this thing seems to have these big eruptions every fifty thousand years so we probably have a good amount of time or it happens every 10 years like the one in tonga they might see some more activity in 10 years but for now it did this one didn't say but they just know it's active Mm -hmm. krakatau the one i just mentioned in indonesia 1883 yeah indonesia has a lot So this one's only a few hundred miles west of the other one, the Tambora. And it blew ash as far away as Singapore. So two explosions in 1883 were reportedly could be heard at several points around the world. And they think it was the loudest sound ever. So they had a tsunami afterwards. So between the explosion and the tsunami, 35,000 people were killed. The dust left in the atmosphere blocked the sun again slightly lowered the global temperature temporarily it caused a red glow at sunsets in some parts of the world including new york and also that one is still active through event Um, it's continually erupting but not at dangerous levels
0: how trippy would it be to be in new york in 1883 and you Living don't know in your why tenant house. You like don't really know why. <laughs> right. Because there's not news maybe doesn't travel nope. as quickly. Nope. And it's just like the sky is red. I wonder if there's like any kind of correlation between some crazy things that people would say about the sky being red. That there was some sort of witchcraft happening. Right, right.
1: The other one is Pele Martinique Um, that was in 1902 and this explosion buried part of the French island called that's the island Martinique a break in the crater wall reportedly sent insects and snakes scurrying from Mount Pele into town so somehow maybe that's how they knew they're like where are all these snakes coming from (laughs) ew
0: (laughs) right they're just people are sitting in cafes I just imagine
1: and then it buried the town of Saint Pierre within a few minutes Uh. 30,000 residents died mostly from burns and suffocation and because they didn't really know much about volcanoes at the time and nobody really knew the warning signs and evacuated so sad they didn't know a lot of these Mm -hmm. are pretty old and i think that's why these are the worst and have the most fatalities because people just didn't know there's one from 1792 in unzen japan 15,000 people died in a landslide Mm -hmm. and tsunami caused by the eruption of Mount Unzen. It triggered an earthquake. It set off these landslides throughout the city of Shimabara. And then it reached the Iraqi Sea. And it created these, you know, giant waves. And they say that even today you can see evidence of the landslide. And that's been you know, over 200 years. In the 1990s there were some small eruptions at Mount Unzen, And everybody was kind of freaking out. It calmed down again. And so a more recent one that was pretty stinking bad was in 1985. Uh, Ruiz, Colombia. This volcanic eruption killed 25,000 people. There were two explosions that sent mud and ash down the mountain and it buried these small towns nearby in this town called Armero. And there were about a thousand people that were also killed when another mudslide came down in Chinchina, And that's about 80 miles west of the capital of Bogota. It sits just north of two dozen active volcanoes. 25,000 people. That's in 1985. I mean, and everybody was freaking out about, Mount St. Helen mm-hmm. And yeah, there was some, you know, some people died in that one, too. I'll talk about it briefly. But
0: the one that you were talking about in the Ariake Sea? Uh huh. That's near Fukuoka. Nagasaki is like right south of there.
1: Okay, so those were the worst explosions back then. Right now, we have some. Those are considered the most dangerous volcanoes right now. So Italy's Mount Vesuvius. It's been a scary thing ever since it buried a whole city. And they say over the past 17,000 years, the volcano has gone through major explosive eruptions that were followed by large pyroclastic flows. This is according to USGS Global Volcanic Program and mm. the Smithsonian Institute database. Its last known eruption was in 1944. And the Italian government, they have a lot of plans in place in case they've Mm -hmm. got their emergency preparedness kit. But at least 6 million people live in the vicinity of Vesuvius. But why? So that's a lot of people. Imagine, I mean, no matter how
0: well you plan. That it's going to be devastating. You cannot like mind control people. (laughs) Hopefully people who live in that area, they're like, okay, we don't want to be like these people. So like if there's an emergency, we need to like hightail it out. Right. Kind of how people are in areas that have like a lot of typhoons or a lot of whatever. You just kind of like, know.
1: Like we have a generator in Mm -hmm. a box. Yeah, brand new. It's just there because we're overdue for a big typhoon. here. Yeah, for sure. If we ever just like go away for a a month, (laughs) probably that typhoon. (laughs) The one that's that's coming. And that but that's why we live in concrete houses and have typhoon shutters on every house. And Mm -hmm. luckily, we have no volcanoes. So there we go. So here's the other one. And this one was particularly scary to me as Mount Rainier, because I used to live in Seattle. Yeah. And on a clear day, and it pops out, you're like, whoa, Bro, you're a big mountain. It's just right there. It's beautiful. You're like, settle down now. Listen, Mount Rainier. Slow your roll. Just, you're a little bit much right now. Like, I wasn't expecting that. So. Sit
0: down.
1: <laughs> so they say this is one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the U.S. High elevation, chemical composition, and proximity to Seattle and Tacoma suburbs. And it has the ability to produce these intense pyroclastic flows lava flows and volcanic ash is that like really fast lava i feel like it is
0: more of an explosion instead of just like a slow roll
1: a pyroclastic flow it's hot (laughs) 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 and it's a it's super hot guys it's like 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. That's really hot. No, but it's a mixture of rock fragments, gas, and ash that travels rapidly.
0: It's hot and it's super fast. Even the word pyroclastic, I was going to say, it sounds like, uh, what are those called? An onomatopoeia? The thing that sounds like the thing that it's doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Extremely scary and destructive and deadly because they're so hot and they move super fast. Mm -hmm. And also they say that the heat from Mount Rainier's lava flows could potentially melt the snow and ice on the volcano and that would cause mudslides okay so there's two million of people that would be affected by the eruption so that's all that this little snippet was saying about it but i did read more about rainier i remember in the past they were like if mount rainier blows we're all gonna die all of us but i read somewhere else and this is because that's when i lived there in the early 90s Mm -hmm. what they're saying now is that it's far enough away from Seattle, that it wouldn't impact Seattle directly. It would be bad, but it wouldn't wipe out everyone in Seattle like we once thought. Okay, this one. Oh, this one, Megan. This this is kind of a sad one. Oh, no. Nova Rupta, located in Alaska's Katmai National Park and Preserve. Better stay away from our bears. The bears, yeah. And this volcano, uh, they say it was formed in 1912 in an eruption that was the world's largest in the 20th century. It sent 30 cubic kilometers of ash and debris into the air and produced a strong ash flow. And it formed the Valley of 10,000 Smokes. (laughs) (laughs) Did your brother live there? I just can't. (laughs) The valley of 10,000 smokes. (laughs) 10,000 doobies. There's not a lot of people living around there, so that's good. Mm -hmm. But it would form, uh. and I know the wildlife, Mm -hmm. the wildlife in all of this is just effed for sure. I guess the 1912 eruption formed an ash cloud and it rained like acid rain across Mm -hmm. Alaska and parts of Canada. People had like respiratory issues and eye issues, you know, like they were getting sick from this. Novorupta is not typical of the types of eruptions in the region. I guess you can read about it on their website, the National Park Service for Katmai. But anyway, it's one that they're the volcanologist. That's such a hard. Volcanologists.
0: volcanologists can we just be like <laughs> volcano biologists? Vulcaneers. Vulcaneers,
1: yeah. They make sure, you know, people are aware and they talk about it. So, but yeah, leave Come our on. fat bears alone. And here we are back to that one we heard about, the Mount um, Pin- Pinatubo in Philippines. There was that nice 1991 major erupt- eruption which is the second largest eruption in the 20th century after the nova Ru- Rupta. the thing is is that this one the pinatubo it didn't have a history of explosive eruptions prior to that and it killed a lot of people because of the, the pyroclastic flows
0: it came out of nowhere yeah they weren't
1: expecting it it actually formed a lake filled caldera in the volcano so
0: a caldera
1: oh. is like a crater think of it like crater lakes in Oregon
0: like inside the volcano range. Right? yeah yeah so later
1: they can fill up and become like an actual lake and the issue with this one and why it's so dangerous is because there's 21 million people that live within about a 62 mile range of Pinatubo Yikes. So it's super active and there's a lot of people. Not good. But maybe a lot of people don't have too many choices. So Mount St. Helens. So we know about this one. Mm -hmm. We all heard about it in 1980. It erupted and it was the deadliest and most destructive volcanic event in U.S. history. There was 57 people that died and thousands of animals. 200 square miles of forest was destroyed and according to USGS, Mount St. Helens' history of explosive eruptions indicates that there's high probability that another one's going to happen. And when it does, it'll send a large, again, large amount of ash across the Pacific Northwest. They monitor it carefully. So Mount Agung is the other one. It's also it's in Indonesia, which mm-hmm. we know Indonesia's got like the most volcanoes and most historical loss of life from volcano eruptions. This particular no one had its last major eruption in 1963. And they say that it was one of the most devastating in the country's history because the eruption lasted almost a year, 11 months. It what? produced all this dangerous ash fall and pyroclastic flows. And it led more to more than a thousand deaths and property damage. So I think because it just went on for so long, maybe because it was more recent too, that just had more of an effect in this century, past century. The ash plumes above the volcano... Have been continuously observed throughout 2018 and following an eruption because there was a small eruption in 2017, and it's located in a region with a population of about four million people. Mm. So, um, Mount Fuji on the list. It hasn't erupted since 1707. Mount Fuji's oh. like what? I'm I'm fine. Mount Fuji doesn't have time for that. If there was a major earthquake that probably they think set it off at that time. In 2014 volcanologists warned that Fuji was at risk for another eruption following a 9.0 magnitude earthquake. Mm. That one that hit Japan in 2011, I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And researchers said the earthquake would raise the pressure below Fuji. In mm-hmm. the 1707 eruption sent ash and debris in the air that reached Tokyo. So if it blows again, there's more than 25 million people in the surrounding area that could be affected. Jeez. And the last one in this group Is a Mount Merapi. This is also in Indonesia. It's been continuously erupting Mm. for centuries, like just constantly. And its biggest risk is the pyroclastic flows. And they say it erupted again recently in May and it sent plumes of smoke in the air and, you know, some people evacuated from the region. There's more than 24 million people that live in the surrounding area. So that one's just always active. It's always like, getting angry but there's just so many 24 million people
0: indonesia is just
1: indonesia right now um let's talk about the kilauea volcano so it's still going last september or this past september last year and it's been creating fountains um up to a 100 feet tall and thick plumes of smoke and it's filling that crater and then it's moving across as we know the countryside just kind of like rolling over people's properties and and i put some pictures of it in here i don't know i just wanted to throw this in because when i was researching it i had no idea this happened but very recently and this was on january 4th a 75 year old man fell into the volcano like at the top of kilauea i think so he was they say he was in a closed area so they reported him missing at like midnight but they had been hiking around he was from hilo and he died after falling from a closed area within the volcano national park oh man on sunday past sunday night i've
0: been to volcano national park you could see the eruption happening Mm -hmm. like you had to be at this like viewpoint and i remember we're sitting really far away and you can see this lava so orange red yeah and like fires and you're just like that's crazy (sighs) crazy. yeah it was like actively erupting and then i think it was the next year Mm -hmm. when it split and then rolled down and just all the footage of people's property being eaten it was crazy completely
1: it's like like the blob so this poor guy i guess he was at the crater rim and he was trying to view it's like a viewing area to look at the volcano and he fell like 100 feet jesus and they found him in there
0: yeah there's like a walkway where you can hike out to the actual crater yeah Um, but when we were there because it was so active they were like you can't do that
1: of course this volcano is one of the most dangerous in the country because Mm -hmm. it just keeps going it began erupting in september since then there have been people traveling to the park at night to see the flow and it's pretty dangerous for people to be doing that yeah in 2019 they they were able to save a visitor who fell 70 feet into the volcano he was like in his 30s and he had climbed over the railing to get a closer look and he fell and so I just with this quote, because it's from the chief ranger, John Broward, mm-hmm. and he says, visitors should never cross safety barriers, especially around dangerous and destabilized cliff edges. <sighs> <laughs> He's just like, bro, how did you not learn this when you were a child?
0: Panda enclosures, volcanoes, let's just not do it. Let's not do it. The coolest thing is going, I, I think, is going through those like volcano tubes, lava tubes yeah. that they have, and it's all like creepy and you think about it like wow this was made by lava.
1: Real quick, I just want to talk about super volcanoes. Um, what? No. <laughs> so these are ones that are super. Their pyroclastic eruptions are beyond your wildest dreams, like they can't you can't even imagine. One of the biggest ones that people always talk about is Yellowstone. Oh. Oh yeah, it's a super volcano and you need to be careful because it's probably going to erupt in about 700,000 years. We'll definitely be here. Yeah. There's Yellowstone. There's Long and Long Valley, which is in Eastern California. Toba in Indonesia and Tapo in New Zealand. They're the ones making those huge craters that have mm. just happened over millions of years. But there's that one that I talked about, which is at Crater Lake in Oregon, was also from one of these like massive volcanoes. I found all these articles about Yellowstone being so scary. Ash would cover the U.S. if it blew up. That's a lot.
0: You know, Yellowstone is a creepy park to me. It's I, so Creepy. We're so, still going to do a story. Like yes. we
1: have so many. So many things. Yeah.
0: Yellowstone creeps me out, and I, you know, people are always like, "Oh, I really want to go there." I'm like, I don't really want to go there. Yeah. I, I feel like there's too many death. Options, You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, how are you going to... You're going to go to Yellowstone. How are you going to die in Yellowstone? Is it going to be an animal (laughs) attack? Are you going to fall into some like scalding hot water and just disintegrate? Yeah. I mean... Ugh, that's the one we need to talk... I think
1: you were going to talk about that one. I
0: was going to talk about that one. Oh, gosh. Anyway. I feel like there's too many. Are you going to just get lost in the... You know, on a hike or serial killers... (sighs) Pick your murder choice What's or happen? death weapon, death choice. Yeah, and I, and it just seems so remote to me. It's not like well, if I you mean, get lost there. I still want to go to Yellowstone. Take some pictures.
1: I might have been through a part of it. Yeah, I just listened to some crazy Case Files episodes about Yellowstone. Yellowstone.
0: Be- is Yellowstone the park that has that weird section that people think is like you could kill anybody there and you can't get prosecuted for it? uh i don't hear i don't know Uh, there's some part i can't remember someone is don't spread that rumor (laughs) (laughs) right some people you
1: kill someone you will get
0: caught it will happen it'll
1: happen so don't kill people let nature do it for you (laughs) back when we were talking about new zealand because we covered the story about the guys who got lost on that tamarind yeah 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 um mm-hmm.
0: and floated for like they went from new zealand and back to new zealand And <laughs> didn't know they thought yeah. they were like in
1: south america somewhere yeah, yeah and so those guys when we were doing covering their story which was the enema story right <laughs> such a great... <laughs> I mean, we can laugh because they all survived. Yeah, best yeah. friend enema. Yes, best friend enema. Taking care of your friends. We had gotten some messages from some of our New Zealand listeners. Mm-hmm. We also talked a lot about mullets back then. You know, I was like, hey, if you know of any other New Zealand stories, let me know. I'll, we'll do another one. And so this was one that one of our listeners brought up and it was the eruption at White Island in 2019, which is so recent. And I was like, okay, I'll look into it. And at that time, I did read about it and And it was so sad and so depressing that I was like, I don't want to talk about it. It's just a really, really sad deal. But because we're talking about volcanoes,
0: I'm going to talk about it. it. Just
1: but not in too much depth, I think. Most people just Google it. So it was on December 9th of 2019. And it's at the Wakarai And I'm probably saying that wrong. And all of our New Zealanders was like, "Bah!" again, you know, <laughs> but White Island. It's an active stratovolcano island. Uh-huh. And it's in New Zealand's northeastern Bay of Plenty region. It's a popular tourist destination. Like nobody lives there, but they like to take people there to go hike around it because it's a cool volcano. Unfortunately, on this day, there were 47 people that were brought over like on a cruise ship, it exploded. And there's video of it like from people who are there taking it. I do have a couple of pictures of like what it looked like right before it exploded. So like I said, there were 47 people and they're from all over. there's Australians, New Zealanders, British Americans, a lot of people because they were on this cruise ship. There were a couple there was a couple from China. So of the 47, 22 people died either from the explosion or from the injuries they sustained. And there were two people whose bodies were never recovered. Oh. So they were later declared dead.
0: The volcano uh, erupted on the cruise ship.
1: On the people on the island doing the hike.
0: Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, okay. so they went...
1: Took a small boat over Mm -hmm. to hike. It's one of like the options like, hey, you want to go? We're going to go here. Whoever can sign up to go on this hike. It's just like a day hike. Yeah. And go take pictures. The survivors, there was 25 that had horrific, a lot of them had horrific injuries, like Mm -hmm. burns all over their body. There's ongoing volcanic activity there. And there's also heavy rainfall. So, I mean, basically nobody's going there anymore. The problem is, is that people knew I was going to say. That it was active.
0: It's a cruise ship. Are they liable for that because they made a tour? I know
1: that there's, it's still happening that mm-hmm. people have been sued, including the cruise ship. This is 30 miles off, sorry, the north northeast coast of the North Island of New Zealand. It has a history of erupting, including several times in the 1980s. And then there was another eruption in 2000 that formed like this new crater. And then smaller eruptions in 2012, 13 and 16. I'm just saying, I just don't feel... Feel like that's a place you should take people i mean i know people go maybe they you know, it, because it sounds like it truly erupts erupts right it formed mm-hmm. a crater not like in hawaii where it's just kind of like a roll a
0: slow roll after kilauea was erupting mm-hmm. it didn't even look like it, eru- <laughs> it was just like leaking <laughs> i mean it, that sounds really that minimizes the amount of damage yeah. that was caused in people's lives that were like ruined oh they I just mean, completely just lost their everything land. everything, yeah, everything. yeah but they they're were companies, I remember seeing it on the news of like boats going out with tourists, to see the lava go into the ocean. And I was like, that cannot be safe. Well, hopefully they just didn't and that get was, close. That was going slow. Yeah. You know?
1: Like, just send a drone and let everybody watch it from a safe distance. For reals. This volcano had been showing signs of unrest several weeks before the eruption. In October 2019, there were volcanic tremors and sulfur dioxide gases um, were at their highest level since 2016. And that means to anybody who knows anything about volcanoes, which isn't you or I, but To the
0: volcanologist. Volcanologist. Man, we're doing real good on that one. Thank you.
1: Well, I'm just... You're saying it first and then I repeat it because (laughs) I don't think I can say it. That was basically indicating like this thing's ready to go. And it was at the volcanic alert level two, which means moderate to heightened volcanic unrest due to the increased activity. It probably should have been a little higher. I don't know what the scale is for the volcanic alert. Does it go? One to five or? <laughs> yeah, what is Does it go to 11? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. So on November 24th, which was two weeks before the eruption, there was an earthquake. It was a 5.9 earthquake. And we know that earthquakes can stir shit up so it lasted one minute was an epicenter was only six miles northeast of white island and people in new zealand felt it so of course that was not good the island is monitored by this gns science and there's some webcams and that's the picture that i included it's from one of these webcams like right before it blew up that company is in charge of like going and testing everything and making sure like everything's okay mm-hmm. because tourists regularly go there these island tours organization had posted a statement on their web this is before the eruption and it says white island is currently. Currently on alert level 2, this level indicates moderate to heightened volcanic unrest. There is a potential for eruption hazard to occur. White Island Tours operates through a variant uh, alert levels, but passengers should be aware that there's always a risk of eruptive activity regardless of the alert level. White Island Tours follows a comprehensive safety plan which determines our activities on the island are on the island at various levels. I guess there was that. But I'm just saying, like when you're on a cruise ship and they're like, hey, I want to go do this and just sign here. Oh, there you go. You right. know, I don't that's fine. It's, it hasn't blown you know, it hasn't blown up since like forever. So I'm sure you're fine. And they go and they think everything's
0: fine. I mean I don't think I would ever take a cruise. <laughs> I will never number take one a cruise. because it's just like a tiny uh, petri dish. No
1: judgment to anybody who has because sure, 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 yeah. I know it's like a cool thing. Like I would take a boat around in Alaska That's what I would
0: do. I would go, I would definitely go on a pirate ship, but I would, (laughs) (laughs) I would also go on one of those, like, what's that one that PBS and like NPR, they all have, it's like river cruises, some kind of European river cruise, and it's like only a certain number of people, and it's a real small boat, and it's like real luxurious, but I mean, I'm never gonna be able to afford that. Yeah. I would do I would do that maybe because it's on a river, yeah, and it's not like out at sea.
1: I would do those cruises like around the Alaskan Islands.
0: I mean, I go on a Nat Geo cruise where it's only like me and eight other scientists or something.
1: That's not the same. These, <laughs> yeah, the days following the initial eruption, when these people were there, the death toll kind of rose. So it started out with a lower number because a lot of people were sent to various hospitals. This included 13 Australian tourists, three Americans, and two New Zealand men that worked as guides, were recovered. There was... Another American woman that died several weeks later. That's awful. And there were the two missing people that were declared dead. That brought it up to 21. And then this poor German man died on July 2nd, which is six months later. So that's how it got brought to 22. There are a couple of stories from some survivors that were really sad, just difficult to, you know, read through. um, There was a newlywed couple. They're from Richmond, Virginia, and they were on their honeymoon. Oh, uh, Matthew and Lauren Urey. like a week before they're in their you know, you see their wedding photo and then right. you see them after and just burned from head to toe. And so this was from a Daily Mail article. There's a few articles, but it's from June of 2020. And um, in the article it says it began with plume of brilliant white smoke billowing silently from the volcano's rugged crater before mushrooming into an ominous black cloud. Mm. By the time their tour guy had yelled at them to take cover, it was too late. The couple were soon engulfed in suffocating fog of molten ash, scorching their flesh, pummeling them with debris and plunging their dream honeymoon into a living hell Lauren who was 33 at this time of the interview said my body was literally sizzling I was holding Matt's hand and I just kept telling him I loved him because I thought it was the only seconds before we would both die and her husband Matthew who's 36 at this time added it was darker than the darkest night you've ever seen it was scalding hot agonizing we were getting pelted with rocks and he said I was actually thought I was going blind because I couldn't see a thing I touched my face afterwards expecting my eyes." to be gone. I had forgotten I had sunglasses and they were just completely covered in dust. Oh, wow. It was supposed to be like a day-long thing, um, excursion onto the island for, and they were staying on this, it was like a 12-night Royal Caribbean cruise to go around and look at Australia and New Zealand. There was also a people article of another survivor, survivor and there's several you know, mm-hmm. from different survivors. This is more recent. It was from December, which would have been the two-year anniversary. And she calls it, this is from a 25-year-old Stephanie Browett. She calls it her burn anniversary. She suffered third-degree burns over 70% of her body. And lost parts of her fingers. And she also lost her, she was there with her dad and her sister. And they both died. You know, she has some survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. And she's just been through so much over the last couple of years that she wishes they could have survived and they just went through it all together. You know, for her mom, at least she came home. And she says, this is a quote from it. Every day I question why we couldn't have gone through this extremely hard journey together, why they couldn't be here also. So when I think about today, it's filled with... The very mixed emotions, I'm extremely grateful that I was able to make it back home to my mom, but I'm also heartbroken that only I made it back. We're a family of four, not two. My heart hurts when I remember what I felt that day, but it hurts more not knowing what my dad and sister felt, that I wasn't next to them during their last moments. In November 2020, New Zealand's government charged 13 parties who all remained unnamed for failing to follow health and safety rules when bringing tourists to White Island. And the proceedings are ongoing. Also, I did read that the newlywed couple are suing the Royal Caribbean.
0: Yeah, cruise ships are just not where it's at anymore.
1: Because that's so sad. Mm-hmm. And it's such a sad story. I thought I'll bring it back to the maleo, the bird. The, the oh, bird yeah. that likes to lay around volcanoes. Because I thought this was pretty cool. This is a critically endangered bird. And it's endemic to Sulawesi and the smaller island of Bhutan in Indonesia. Typically found in tropical lowland and hill forests. But it nests in these open, sandy areas of volcanic soils or the beaches that are heated by the sun, geothermal energy for incubation. So it wants Mm. to put its eggs where it's hot to cook them. And Sulawesi, they have a lot of, like, rare species, including the maleo, and there's I included a picture of it. So they were once, like, everywhere. I guess they were so dense on the beaches that it looked like black sand but now it's like you can barely find them. Oh. The numbers dropped so quickly because people love the eggs.
0: Oh no. And
1: they're huge. They're like the size of your hand and they would just go find where they had buried them because the birds aren't there anymore because they pieced out and they would just dig them all up because they're big, they're nutritious and considered a delicacy. They basically almost wiped them out. There's been a lot of conservation efforts since the early 2000s. There's this Alliance for Tampotika Conservation or ALTO, Alto, that's easier. And because of all their work, the population is recovering from oh, crit- crit- critically endangered. Sulawesi is the fourth largest island in, the, in Indonesia. Of course, we know they have a lot of volcanic uh, action over there. So they have a lot of rare and endangered endemic species. They have the Anoa, which is also known as the dwarf buffalo.
0: It's like a tiny buffalo? Kind
1: of like a tiny uh-huh. buffalo. That's and funny. they also have the Babarusa, which are also called deer pigs. It's basically it just looks like a pig with like big, huge, curly tusks. And then they have this uh, Malayo bird. So those are kind of some rare but endemic, interesting species. The other reason besides people just want to eat those eggs because they're so delicious is that they, of course, are losing their habitat. We talked about a lot of the other megapodes they incubate their eggs by building nests with like different leaves and all kinds of crap and it's like they're using compost to heat it up, their nests. Because I did read that the island in Tonga, um, I was looking at a report from like 2014 and they said it was just covered in birds. They're like, the island has like a bazillion birds like Mm -hmm. seabirds that just kind of come and go and so i was like well what bird like really lives in a volcano or around volcanoes and this was the only one i could find Mm -hmm. i think there's other like smaller forest birds that are like on the edges like in hawaii These like that's how they they need that hot Earth. Earth. Yeah. yeah. So they dig these deep holes, lay their eggs, and then the pair leaves and they don't ever go back. They say never to return. <laughs> so that's just like <laughs> that's It hilarious. makes them special, but the problem is is that they say their sexual strategy is not well adapted against human predators. <laughs> yeah. This communal breeding ground is easily found by people. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing there to like stop people from taking the eggs. This Alto, they started protecting these um, breeding sites. Two of the crucial breeding grounds are have full protection now. And the maximum numbers of Malayos seen at once at the protected nesting ground quadrupled. In 2006, they had counted only 26. And in 2019, there was 108. That's good. And they do a lot of outreach and stuff. It says that thanks to conservation efforts of Alto, the future of the Malayo now seems considerably more hopeful. So I'm going to have two organizations to support. Okay, cool. Yeah. So one is going to be the Alliance for the Tampotika Conservation just for the birds. Yeah, yeah. And I'll talk about them in a second. I think we definitely need to support relief efforts in Tonga. Yeah, for sure. The Red Cross for Australia is definitely, mm-hmm. I think, um, the best place if you want to help support those efforts or donate redcross.org.au to help with the relief efforts in Tonga so hopefully everybody there is doing okay so as far as the alliance for Tompotika conservation and how you can support their cool species it's not just that one species that they're protecting but they're doing a lot of cool work and you can go to their website it's Tompotika t-o-m-p-o-t-i-k-a org. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Alliance for the Tampatica Conservation. Their blurb is that um, they're committed to helping all of nature, including people, thrive because, yeah, it's a community effort and mm-hmm. it's it got to work for everybody. Their work is centered in Sulawesi, one of the Earth's most unique biological treasure houses. At the invitation of local communities, Alto forges partnerships to protect and restore imperiled species, tropical rainforests, and other natural ecosystems while supporting the dignity and self sufficiency of local communities in a changing world oh i like that Yeah, it's really nice Mm -hmm. they're great they have a great little website and you can go there and you can donate and look at all their cool stuff and they have some cool fact sheets on all these species
0: that's very cool
1: check it out i like it so i hope i um didn't bore you too much no
0: that was great i i feel like i'm
1: like a mini vulcanologist (laughs) vulcanist vulcaneer
0: vulcaneer i like it
1: i feel like i could you know like get a little pin for sure that could be like she
0: tried (laughs) definitely I feel like
1: that's you know, there's probably a lot of emergency preparedness kits that already have something for a volcano.
0: Sure. Well, I have come up with... Oh, you've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. Okay. I've been thinking about it. And I think that for our emergency preparedness kit, we need to have a healthy dose of skepticism. I feel like that covers everything. Like, you know, being... A little bit on edge, a little bit wary of things, a little uh-huh. bit skeptical. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. You know, like, should I live next to this volcano? This might not be the best place. Also, for the birds, I feel like they should have some kind of healthy amount of skepticism. Like, if I put my eggs here, are people going to eat them? I mean, just flying away and like trusting people not to eat eggs. Oh, yeah.
1: No, don't ever think that. Don't ever think people won't eat your eggs because they will. I steal my chicken's eggs every day (laughs) and
0: I eat them. Right? I think that a healthy dose of skepticism is what we need for the emergency preparedness kit.
1: Yeah. In life, perfection. Done and done. (laughs) Done and done. (laughs) Well, anyway, and we and by no means are we making light of anything that's going on no. right now. But yeah. I, I think it was more, I just wanted to be informative. Mm-hmm. I wanted to inform myself.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jen, for that. I mean, a lot of stories, a lot of information <laughs> about volcanoes. Yes. I feel like I don't know where to live now. That was great. I think Guam. Guam might be the place. I mean,
1: typhoons, <laughs> but you know, but we, we'll just hunker down in our concrete houses and... No worries. You want know, to write it out. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think we have some patrons pa- to yes. shout
0: out. Yes. Bow yes. show. I want to give a big thank you to one of our new patrons, Th- Laureen.
1: Thank you, Laureen. Thanks, we Laureen. appreciate you so much. Yeah. I also want to give a big shout out and a huge thank you to Jamie.
0: Welcome, Jamie.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And then our last patron we want to shout out. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining as an official nature nerd. We're happy to welcome you to our nature nerd family.
1: And if you would like to become a patreon just go to our website click the link or you can go to our Linktree and instagram and it's as easy as that just go to patreon and sign up it takes seconds it's amazing you'll become a certified and nature nerd
0: another way you can support us is to subscribe rate and review on apple Podcasts. if you give us a five-star review we'll send you a sticker be sure to give us your address on the contact form on our website or email us at you're gonna die out there at gmail.com
1: another way you can support is go to our website and and check out our sponsors. See if there's anything you'd like to order. There's links. You can get discounts. They're all zero waste or eco-friendly businesses that support
0: us and we love them and we're not gonna read the ads but you can go check it out. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those things. Click that follow button. That'll help us out as well. You can also send us ideas for topics that you would like to hear. Crazy stuff you found online. You can send that to our email email or dm us on instagram and until next time don't die out there bye, bye. which i mean nice. outlander this might be an outtake but i'm just saying <laughs> oh my god that show I started it and I was like, wow, this is cool. It's like history. Neat. Oh, I like how it's like, oh, they were walking through this castle and now she's actually there. That's crazy. And, you know, it's like you kind of know that's going to happen in the beginning because you know she's going to time travel. But still, I was like, that's really cool. And then it was like softcore porn. And I was like, wait a minute. For a while. (laughs) For a while. Yeah. Yeah. They get married and it's just like, and then it just gets so dark.
1: It's like Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, some softcore porn right I did there.
0: not know Bridgerton was going to be like that, by yeah. the way. And my son was just walking around the house. And you're like, oh, look And all oh. of a sudden, it was just like naked butts. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, I'll watch this later. That's when I watch it
1: on my phone with my headphones when I'm doing <laughs> stuff. And I'm
0: like, don't look at my phone. <laughs> I'm in a meeting. Yeah, uh, that show. And, and you know what? My mom has been telling me for a while, like, oh, I love Outlander. It's such a great show. And I'm like... <laughs> That makes me so uncomfortable. No. I don't know what to think about that right <laughs> now. Yeah. Okay. Some of the symptoms for the Epstein Barr virus is are. Thar- <laughs> <Blah, blah, blah. laughs> <laughs> Speaking pirate. Aye, matey. Some of the symptoms of EBV <laughs> oh, <no>. include fatigue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do so, you know when they read, like, the. During those commercials when at the end they read it really fast, like all the side effects.
0: Yeah. If they just did that in Pirate <laughs> Fever, inflamed throat. <laughs> why you're good at <laughs> you, you, know what? you know why? You know why I am good at pirate voice? Is because there was a period of time when Facebook would let you change your language. Do you remember this? When they, You could change all the language on your Facebook thing to pirate speak. No, I don't oh my remember God. that. I, I don't think I was I not- don't know how I figured it out, but someone had it on theirs and I was like, how the hell? And then there was like a, a thing online you could look and it was like, oh, you could change your, all the words on your screen on Facebook. So it was like, I am <laughs> Your friend be commenting on this picture. <laughs> like it was and so like for I don't know, maybe What year two was years? This? At least two years. That's how I read Facebook in my brain. <laughs>
1: so i think that's why i love that we're friends <laughs> i could probably i do. would
0: never do that in a million years i would be like this is annoying <laughs> <laughs> it was so it like made it so much more entertaining oh god i think they took it away though what 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 time frame was that I it feel was like, like early I was... it was like early facebook it was like post myspace but like earlier facebook before your mom got on there they you were all I mean? sitting around drinking their starbucks and they're like one of
1: them's like i have a great idea <laughs> we should do this we should do this it's gonna be amazing
0: yeah and it was like it was all of the languages in the world that they supported at the time uh-huh. and then at the very bottom it was like pirate speak
1: i think that i was still doing uh i was still doing field work that yeah time, for so sure I was very rarely it definitely i was... just remember you made me oh you made me a, a cartoon oh shit this was like early Facebook t- oh, days. God. You made me um uh uh what's Oh, when it was S- South, Park. South Park.
0: It was a South Park you could yes. like it, you could go online and there was like a thing with like kind of how they do bitmoji now but you could it was a South Park character yes. and I made two versions of you. <laughs> oh my god, I still have them I too. I still
1: have them too. We got to post them. One week. of
0: them is like you before you go out to the Outer Islands. Yes. And one of them is when you come back. <laughs> And they're, <laughs> and they're like had a nice. so good and you're just like ha- your hair is like all crazy yes i made i made so many people oh my gosh i made my brother this i is, definitely did me this is
1: what we were doing. a lot of peace corps this was i mean like 2007 ish
0: yeah that was an exciting time in technology
1: <laughs> if you used a glass thermometer to take the temperature it would melt i i don't need to say that just cut that that's great because <laughs> of course it would melt because it's fucking hot
0: it would melt
1: <laughs> if you put anything in it it would melt <laughs> super hot super fast so pyroclastic i kind of like that yeah like i feel like if you were it like uh you played sports and you were like i'm so hot i'm so fast i'm pyroclastic
0: you have that explosive energy yeah
1: i'm wondering if any like sports announcers use that that would be a great derby name
0: Oh. Actually, one of the one of the people I used to skate with, they are a vul- volcanologist. Vulcan- really? Yeah, uh, they were going to UH for like learning about, vo- and we're going over to the Big Island to look at what? the volcanoes. There. Yeah. Can you
1: please? Do they already have? They probably already have a derby name. Yeah, they but do. I'm sure it's something to do with volcanoes. No, you know, since I study sea turtles, I'd have like the worst per derby name, like slow and floating. Flippy with the flappers. (laughs) Okay, so um, pyroclastic flows.